the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for listening in. Contending for our faith literally means to fight for it. Today's world continually reminds us that essential component of faith. As we stand firm, we should not be surprised or shocked by what we see and hear because Almighty God said these things would be. God is our salvation, our Savior, our all in all. We have everything we need when we look to Him, the author and finisher of our faith. Have your Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. In the book, in the book of Jude, in the book of Jude, the little tiny book just before the book of Revelation. It is a small book, but but it's just as important as, as the book of Isaiah, which has about 66 chapters. And we're in verse 2, and that verse says, Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And this is entitled, Greetings to the Call. And in the greeting, Jude, the half-brother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, says, Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. We labored extensively on mercy, and we've preached on peace, and we have now parked in love. Love, love is no funny feeling. It is more than that. Love is a commitment. This love that we're speaking of in this text is an agape love, which is a selfless, sacrificial love, which gives the best of oneself as well as one's possessions. It comes from having Christ living in the soul. Since God is love and the love of God was demonstrated in the giving of his one and only son to lost humanity to redeem mankind from the tyranny and power of sin, we too have the capacity to love like Christ because we have God living in our soul. And you cannot love like God loves until you have the love of God who is Jesus Christ, the epitome of God's love, living in the soul of man. Amen? Romans 5, chapter 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Beloved, when the love of God has been poured out into our hearts, who are we to love? How many of you know the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself? That means you have the love of God in your heart. And uh, when you have Jesus, then we are commanded to love like Jesus loved. And since we're to love like Jesus loved, the question comes, who are we to love? I'm so glad you asked. A, we are to love God. 
For Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. In other words, we are to love God with all of our inner being. The scripture says in Psalms, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. What? Bless his holy name. With every aspect of your being, we are to love God. And when you love God like that, I mean, it'll be reflected in your speech and how you behave and your attitude and where you go and where you don't go simply because of your passionate, unfailing love for God. B, we are to love children. Say children. Psalms 127, three through five says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. In other words, the book saying happy is the, is the family who has a whole lot of children. And when somebody have five and six, they own their sixth child. Uh, who are you to make a comment on that? Amen. Just because you don't have children don't mean everybody else can be like you or want to be like you. If they want to have eight, that's their business. Stop saying another one. <laughs> Amen. At least they got somebody to see after them when they get old. <laughs> Uh, Matthew 19, Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 15 says, then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. You know, and we value our children. And I tell you something else too. Children know when you don't like them. They can pick up your spirit. They can pick up your spirit. And you know what? We, we do ourselves a tremendous disservice when we don't like children. Satan hates children and he seeks to destroy them from the womb through abortion. Say abortion. Abortion is a heinous sin and, and it is actually outright murder. And uh, many folk minimize the heinous sin of abortion. What is education if I'm not given a right to live? What, 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 what is anything? What is a career? What is anything if, I, if I'm not given the right to be born? And if, if your mother was an advocate of choice, you wouldn't be here. If my mama killed me in the womb, she would have been killing a preacher. We need to think about what we do. It is murder. And for those who do such things need to repent and cry to God. And there's no sin that the blood of Jesus can't cover and heal you from. Satan wants to kill through abortion from the womb. He wants to kill young children. All kinds of things are happening to kids and the abuse. And even in their adult lives, they remember some of the heinous sins of their past. And that's why we should never, never stop praying for our children and our grandchildren. Just because your child is doing well today does not necessarily mean they'll be doing well tomorrow. You never stop praying for your children. As a matter of fact, when they become, uh, when they get grown, they may be off your lap, but they still need prayer. They still need prayer. A C, we're to love one another. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. It's amazing how uh, 
alcoholics can drink out the same bottle and many saints can't sing out the same hymn book. We're to love one another. It is not an option. It is a mandate. It is a command. And we ought to do it because Jesus did it and expressed it in the greatest way uh, in his life. As a matter of fact, here's how you know uh, your love. A genuine love for others will cause them to be attracted to you. You say, well, I love people. I love people. I love people. But if they're running away from you, I'm not so sure about that. If they're walking around you, they got to think twice whether they're going to speak to you because they don't know where you're coming from, what side of the bed you got up off of. Uh, They don't know what's going to come out your mouth or what kind of zone you're in. I mean, if folk don't gravitate to you and they're not attracted to you, maybe it's because love is not exuding from you. D, we're to love our enemies. Say enemies. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 44 says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I, that's that's authoritative. Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. Now, that's love, folk. That is a Christ-like love. This puts the level of your spiritual maturity on display. For love is not what you say, it is what you do. According to verse 44 of Matthew 5, it says, Bless those who curse you, do good to those who, what, hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Sometimes it is possible for you to be so mad at persons, different persons and personalities and people that you're too mad to even pray for them. Amen. We ought to pray for our enemies. We ought to love them. Anybody can do evil for evil, but when you can respond with good, that puts you, uh, that, that lifts you up to the glory of God, and God is honored, and he is blessed. Amen. Some people say, well, I'm just not there yet. Well, God expects you to get there. You're 80 years old talking about I'm still not there. You're going to be in heaven. Well, I'm not there. And Jesus, you stand before the Lord, he's going to say, why didn't you get there? Why didn't you get there? And you love folk irrespective of their color, uh, social status, economic status. We love, I pray that this church be as diversified as it can be because heaven is diversified. If you got a problem with integration, you have a problem with heaven because heaven's integrated. And, and but by the way, hell is integrated too. So you might as well go on and learn to get along on this side, right? So we're to love our enemies. E, we're to love sinners. Say sinners. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13 says, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisee saw it, they said to his disciple, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and those sinners? And Jesus heard that. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn 
what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I did not call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I once was lost, but now I see. I was a sinner, and you, and, you, and you can't get saved until you come to grips with yourself and realize that, that you were born a sinner. A sinner. And until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see yourself in need of a savior. We walk by faith and not by sight, and faith grows as we study and meditate on God's word, fast, pray without ceasing, and look to God who knows all, hears all, and sees all. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will lead us, guide us, protect us, provide for us, and strengthen us. No matter what the world does, through the indwelling Holy Spirit, God is always with us. As his children, God keeps us first by fighting for us every second of every day. That makes our faith worth fighting for. Listen as Pastor Rander continues. If you're going to be released from anything, if you if you got an alcoholic or alcohol problem, you got to view yourself as an alcoholic or whatever your issue is. Uh, you got you have to recognize you're that before you can cry for help. Jesus loves sinners. He loves sinners. So much that Romans 5a says, but God committed his love toward us. And the word commended means demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we were yet what? Yet what? Say it a little bit louder. Yet what? Christ died for us. In other words, while we were yet far from God, estranged from God, wretched and depraved, Jesus Christ, in spite of our sins, came and saved us in spite of ourselves. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Paul says to young Timothy, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And Paul said, by the way, of whom I am chief. Now, some of y'all don't want to admit it, but you were some big sinners when you were sinners out there. Amen. That just shows you how good grace is. How many remember how bad off you used to be? Do you remember that old life, that pre-salvific, that pre-salvation life? You subject to say anything, slap anybody, go anywhere, do anything. But God got a hold of you in the fullness of time. And now the places you go, you don't go no more. Things you used to say, you don't say no more. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. All things are what? Passed away. And behold, all things have become what? New. New. Paul said, you want to talk about a sinner? Look at me. I was the chief of them. Couldn't nobody beat me sinning. <laughs> Couldn't nobody. And some of y'all act like y'all been saved all your life. Folk need to know that you haven't always been there. They need to hear your testimony. John 3.16, Jesus loved sinner so, sinner so much until he said in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. To send his only son into the world. Give up to, he gave up his life. So for sinners... Let me give you an A, B, C, and D under this sinner business so that you can have a love for sinners. A, a self-righteous spirit will cause you to miss evangelistic opportunities. A self-righteous, a too high of a view of yourself 
you you so holy now, and you so saving uppity. You know, you you so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. And, and they'd be like, oh, look at her. Why she done that? That dress too short. Look, she knows she's showing too much. Look what he's doing. Oh, did you see what sister so-and-so child did? And bu- you and everybody else's tea. <laughs> and you begin, and so, you're so busy judging folk until you can't reach folk. If folk are messed up, that's why God saved you to be an agent of reconciliation, getting folk from out of themselves to God. You, you, got, you, you got to see folk like Jesus see them. A self-righteous spirit will cause you to miss evangelistic opportunity. God has put those persons in your life for you to reach them for Jesus. B, you lose your effectiveness and fruitfulness only surrounding yourself with your seclusive, holy clique of those who think and act just like you. And that's a stench in the nostrils of God. God doesn't want you to surround yourself with folk who act like you, think like you, dress like you. God don't want a cookie cutter like you. He does not want that. And uh, you lose your effectiveness when it's us four, shut the door, and no more. God wants you, he wants you to, to expand your circle of friends. He wants you to reach out to the helpless and the hopeless and the down and outers. Your circle of friends, all of that, it should be diversified. It ought not be the elitists or the down and outers altogether. We ought to be integrated. The ground is level at the cross. Matters not what your position is. Matters not what you do in your career. When you come in here, you are a servant. You are a doulos in the Greek. It is, you are a bond servant. It's not about titles and degrees and who you are and where you've been and where you're from. In here, when you come in here, you realize you are, like everybody else, you are a child like of the Most High King, and we ought not treat you any different because of a name. See, with the help of Christ, it is possible to be a friend of sinners without adapting their lifestyle. Now, just being their friends don't mean you have to take on their, their behavior. You're in their lives to reach them for Christ, and hopefully you reach them and they don't reach you. Amen. Won't you say amen? amen. Uh, adapting to their lifestyles. And well, I, I got to, you know, Paul said, be all things to all people. So I'm down here wallering with them. Wait a minute now. Don't take that that far. Amen. I'm in the strip club because I'm trying to be friend of sinners. No, you're not. You, you're, you're not trying to be a friend of sinners. You're enjoying yourself in there. What you do, you wait out in the park, you wait on the street, wait till they come out. <laughs> or get them while they're going in. You ought not be at a club when I'm trying to reach them and you dancing and slow dragging all over the place. You're trying to reach tennis. Oh, yeah, you're trying to reach them all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. you trying to, oh, I'm just in here. I'm trying, I'm on an evangelistic mission. You lose your effectiveness and fruitfulness only surrounding yourself with a holy clique. And with the help of Christ, it is possible to be a friend of sinners without adapting their lifestyle. Your lifestyle and your way and the Christ in you ought to challenge them to a higher standard of living. D, 
When you view yourself as a missionary, you'll be able to reach more souls for Christ. When you, where are the sinners in your life? When you view, you need to view yourself as a missionary. The root, for, the root word of missionary is what? Is what? Mission. And we all are on a what? Mission for whom? Christ. And every one of you, including me, we are on a mission. Now, when you, when you have to have the person come to your, cut your grass got to be saved. The plumber come to your house got to be saved. Uh, the person who reads your meter got to be saved. Uh, the, the, the person who do, does your roof got to be saved. Everybody, you want the holy, roly uh, uh, book so you can get everybody saved coming into your house. Now, something wrong with that. Something wrong with that. I tell you what, that unsaved doctor may be more skilled than the saved doctor. What about that? Now, it helps if they're saved, but God can use an unsaved doctor if you're praying. Why don't y'all say amen? <laughs> amen. Who would you rather have? That one that knows how to call on the name but don't have many skills? But that one that holds all of the skills but don't know the name of Christ that you can pray on for the guidance of the hand because they got the skills. Which one, which one would you have? <laughs> the unsaved pilot? That, uh, that knows how to fly or the saved pilot who just got his license. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Let some lost folk do some business with you. We have lost folk here doing things on coming in here, coming in here. Oh, I just had such a good time with those kids being all around. and They had a big auditorium full of kids the last day and honoring us with all this stuff. And I look at Miss Uncle and I say, can I pray? I know she wasn't going to tell me I couldn't pray in the church house. <laughs> she let me pray. And oh, the Lord let me pray. And I said, in the name of Jesus. And the, one of the staff members said, that's the best prayer. I'm so tired of these meditational thoughts. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I haven't heard Jesus in the classroom in so long. That's, that's why God brought him here. They brought them here. The atmosphere impacted them. They knew they were in a different place. What a staff person said, it, it takes a lot of guts for you to open your building up and let 700 middle school students in, not fearing the fact that they could possibly tear up something. That's big hearted. Not many places or organizations would do such. But that's what it's all about. That's what viewing ourselves as a missionary. You can't be afraid. This building is not an aisle. It's not. A, it, it was built to be used to, in, to, to impact people for the glory of God. And all those kids and teachers weren't saved. But you know what? That experience could touch some heart for Jesus Christ long after that has passed. The scripture says, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Jews speaks a word of words of blessings upon believers to whom this letter is written by saying, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. In other words, may the, may the Lord's mercy, peace, and love be increased, extended, and added to you. A word of blessing is a tremendous source of encouragement to those who love the Lord and serve him faithfully. Beloved, a failure to speak a word of blessing upon others is a sin of omission. 
There are folk all around us who are in dire need of a word of comfort right around you right now, right next to you, behind you, in front of you. Someone in this room needs a word of hope. Someone in this room needs relief, encouragement, and spiritual refreshments. It should start with your family. You ought to be able to refresh your family, and then it spreads abroad, for it is really soothing to be ambushed by spiritual refreshment when you're not anticipating it. When is the last time you refreshed someone? You just loved on them, encouraged them. You spoke words of blessings upon them, words of hope, words of wisdom. Why do we need spiritual refreshment? Number one, we need spiritual refreshment, all of us. Even a dog wants to be petted sometimes. Why do we need spiritual refreshment? Number one, it stirs up motivation for those who are in a spiritual rut. There are people who are in a spiritual rut, and, and, and they need to be pulled out of that rut. And you know, hey, with the help of God, you can make it. I'm going to walk you through this. God has a place for you. God has a plan for you. Your life is special and unique. And you start impregnating those who are in a spiritual rut with so much hope and inspiration till they are motivated to get out of the rut. Number two, why do we need spiritual refreshment? It encourages those who are in, a midst, in the midst of trials, hardships, hard times, difficulties, uh, to let them know, to go, uh, come alongside and let them know it's going to be all right. I've been right where you are. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. God's not through with you, and he's got, he, he didn't bring you this far to leave you, and you begin to just speak on them words of encouragement in the midst of trials. Contending for our faith is worth the fight against Satan's tricks of his trade. He won't stop trying to circumvent our faith. Therefore, we must keep God first in all we do to resist him. We must be steadfast in exercising our authority in the name of Jesus to thwart Satan's efforts. We will be the recipients of God's perfect plan for each of us if we contend for the faith, or we will suffer the dire consequences. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.